0: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, joined by your host, James Rapine. We're back to five days a week, everybody, if you've been suffering and having withdrawal as we've been on a a three-day-a-week schedule during the quiet part of the off-season. We're back to five days a week starting this week. So if you're back on that daily morning commute, well, we're there for you. Locked on Bengals, on your way to work, on your way home from work, whatever the convenient time is for you, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're with you five days a week, and Today, we're brought to you by RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today, James, we're going to talk about two topics primarily. One of them is going to be Elizabeth Blackburn, again, getting out in front of fans. She did a Reddit Ask Me Anything today. I sent in a question. She answered it. Going to talk about that a little bit. And she wrote another article for Bengals.com, which for the most part, Fans really eat that stuff up. And the other thing is ESPN did a comprehensive, they do this every year, future NFL power rankings where they rank each team by their front office, by their drafting ability, by their roster strength, by their quarterback, and try to say these are the teams that we think are positioned well for the future. And well, I guess somewhat unsurprisingly, the Bengals don't turn out very well on their list, but there's certainly room to argue. We'll get there a little bit later in the show, but James, let's start with the Elizabeth Blackburn article. Have you ever seen something like this where someone who doesn't even have an impact on football operations just generates so much excitement by the way she carries herself, the way she writes, the way she answers fans' questions? I I think it's pretty special, her her charisma. For sure,
2: and it's... There's a self-awareness factor to it because believe me, the Bengals know the reputation, right? They know, oh man, Mike Brown and the Blackburns, it's it, you know, it's a family owned operation, a family ran operation. That's how it's gonna be. And and I think for better, for worse, and in certainly having her out there and getting fans excited is good now. But it could be for worse if it doesn't go well, right? You know, if they go four and thirteen, as you said, that it does put a lot of pressure on the organization to a degree, but obviously they wanna have high standards. And so I think what it does is a lot of the the negative stuff that has been said, it kind of counteracts that about the family. Because you're talking about now this young, energetic 27, 28 year old who's um, you know, cut her teeth doing other things in the NFL and, and, and went and, you know, you know it's not like she interned for the Bengals only and has been slowly working away. No, no, no. She's worked at the NFL level, right? She's done other things. And then she comes back and admits that uh, she has a different perspective, you know, than Mike and, and maybe than her mom and, and Troy. and And so that part of it, I think, is the refreshing part. So no, I haven't seen that. This is new. And and I think that's why it feels so unique to Bengals fans, because they've been used to this since 1990, right? Or 1991, when Mike took over the organization. And so now it's this breath of fresh air and potential hope, because it does feel like Elizabeth gets it and understands where the fans are coming from. And I, I will say I've listened to, and I know this isn't about the Ring of Honor, but I've listened to two different podcasts with Mike Brown, Bengals Booth podcast, and then Dan uh, Dave Lapham's podcast. Uh, in the Trenches podcast. In both times, Mike Brown said, oh yeah, Elizabeth is the one, the reason, essentially, there's a ring of honor. So I think she does have a self-awareness, not only for her, but for the organization and how fans view it and vice versa. And she's trying to make sure that that uh, Q score goes up and is more positive moving forward. The Q
1: score, nice. And and she is very engaged with fans and social media, not directly like responding to people's tweets. But today on, on Reddit, Right. She's answering fans questions directly, which I think is pretty cool. I don't think, you know, you would see a Katie Blackburn or a Troy Blackburn answering questions. And if they gave you an opportunity to ask Troy Blackburn questions, I mean, they, they did set it up to be like, hey, talk to us about the new fan experience. Or if you have questions for Elizabeth or whatever, it would be a different set of questions for Troy, who's known to do some of their uh, contract structure and that sort of thing and and has uh, not necessarily talk to the media so much since that Walmart quote that I gave him a hard time for on this podcast when he made it. But Elizabeth's post up at bengals.com outlines some of the new features of the game day experience, including a game day captain where they're going to get a fan to lead the Who Day chant. That should be a pretty cool pregame chant to get the crowd fired up. She talked about some other game day enhancements. And of course, the Bengals are welcoming fans back to Paul Brown Stadium at full capacity. So a few big notes there. The last thing I want to talk about about Elizabeth Blackburn here, James, is she answered my question on the Ask Me Anything. You mentioned she has experience at the NFL level. She also has experience at some of the most powerful consulting firms in the United States. And she was a double major at Dartmouth, a very prestigious, very competitive school. And so I asked her about that. I I asked her, you have experience as a management consultant at some of the most powerful firms in the United States, along with an impressive double major at Dartmouth. What are the most significant lessons you learn in that highly competitive and strategic space that you've applied working to the working for the Bengals? And I also asked, how does that experience shape your vision for the team in the future when you run the whole thing? And she didn't answer that last part, but she did tell me in her response on the Reddit post that the significant lessons she learned and is applying, and you can see this in the things that she prioritizes and talks about, were culture is critical, consistently prioritize, be data-driven, and know who the decision maker is. She also said, James, that this could be a great conversation for the pod, and I agree with her. We could dive into all of these priorities she's listed and talk about how she's practically applying them on a day-to-day basis, and I look forward to the opportunity to do so.
2: Yeah, I think we'll. Spoiler, I think we'll get her at some point, right? It's just a matter of when. And I got to meet Elizabeth when the the Bengals unveiled their uniforms, and it we didn't talk to her super long, but you know, I probably spent five to ten minutes chatting. And um, look, everything that fans are excited about, I get because it is energy. It's it's fresh air, and it's someone who experienced the past thirty years. You don't think she was heartbroken? In, in 2006, when Carson goes down with the knee, you don't think she remembers the the '90s that I refer to, uh, you know, a, a ton, and I keep going back to because I, I'm a, I'm worried that you could you're a Joe Burrow away from from being there again, you know, with Zach Taylor. There's some concern there, right? So my point is is like she's gone through the good, the bad, all of the the stuff, and she doesn't remember the Super Bowls, and I'm sure she's dying to get back there. So it's um. It would be really, really fun to have her on the podcast and hopefully we can do so.
1: One of my favorite answers from the AMA, besides the one she gave me, just to wrap this up, we'll get to the ESPN power rankings here in just a minute, is somebody asked her, what's the costume that we haven't seen developed in the stands? And she said an orange and black Wario costume. How about, how about that, huh? She said that was her Halloween costume of choice in college, an orange and black Wario
2: so interesting, because it's not like she said Mario, like you're talking about the evil knockoff Wario. <laughs> right. And, and so, hey, maybe someone should do that is, you know, orange and black Wario, you know, Bengals captain in the Bengalorian, and, and all of the other cool uh, fans that we have out there. They can uh, they can get together and find a Wario. That would be that would be interesting. I, I've been I've always been partial to Mario. And, you know, some might say Luigi, maybe you could just get the whole crew. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, we we could get a a Bengals themed Peach and Daisy and Toad and Yoshi. I mean, get the whole Mario crew out there. And I think if anyone's going to make it happen, Elizabeth, I mean, you can inspire the people to do so. Coming up next, ESPN, not so inspired with the Cincinnati Bengals future. We'll talk about their rankings and how
2: we might rank them differently coming up next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's baseball and the Reds who slumping a bit, or maybe the NBA Finals game six is Wednesday night. Will the Bucs bring home the trophy or can Chris Paul, Devin Booker and the Suns find a way to force a game seven? I hope so because I love game sevens. Either way, you can win money and win big at betonline.ag. Get in on the action, get off the sidelines And head to the website, betonline.ag, and sign up today. And when you sign up, make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that simple. Promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: James, ESPN has done a number of rankings in the NFL offseason. None of them have been too terribly kind to the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about their top 10 lists in an episode last week where Joe Mixon and Jesse Bates were the only players for the Bengals to make the top 10 lists of their respective positions this week on Monday, they drop a future power rankings, projecting all 32 NFL teams for the next three seasons. They grade on a number of different factors here. One of them is the quarterback situation, the non-quarterback roster, drafting ability, the front office, and I don't really see how those two are different, but they're separating them for the purposes of these rankings, and coaching. And you can get up to a 100, which is an A+, plus, a 90, which is an A, which is great, an 80, which is a B, very good, 70 C average, 60 D, very bad, 50 and below F, disastrous. And the overall score is weighted such that the overall roster is worth 30% of your grade. The quarterback is worth 20% of your grade. Coaching is worth 20% of your grade and drafting ability in front office are worth 15% of your grade each. The top few teams in the NFL, according to these lists, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns. So the AFC North represented with two teams in the top five. And right away, James, something that stands out to me when I start to think about the methodology here is Tampa Bay, number two, a lot of that on the strength of having the second-ranked quarterback, Tom Brady getting a 90.5 as a quarterback. And the quarterback situation in Tampa Bay is is given this really high mark. But I'm thinking next three years, at some point, Tom Brady is going to meet Father Time. At some point, he will fall off due to age-related reasons. So From a methodology perspective, I do wonder a little bit about giving Tampa Bay the second ranked QB situation for the next three years. I could certainly see that being the case for the next one year. But the Bengals come all the way down overall at twenty nine, a sixty eight point one overall. And I think we should go through each of these categories because I I think you could probably pick some bones with all of them.
2: They should be higher. And that was my first reaction when you you know, showed me this article and sent it to me because, look, it's the next three years. And if you believe in Joe Burrow and for what it's worth, he's ranked pretty high and we'll get into that. If you believe in Joe Burrow, that should bode well for the next three years, whether Zach sucks or not, whether the front office is good enough or not. I, you know, I think that that's better than the, you know, the third worst team in there, the fourth worst team in the NFL. And so 29 for current power rankings, Makes sense. You're not getting a debate from me. Future power rankings over the next three years. uh, I I just I think it's a little low now. Should they be ninth? I don't think so. But I think 29th is low.
1: I I think I tend to agree for the next three years. But let's talk about these individual rankings, because maybe that'll start to shed some light. And this probably will take the rest of our show. We're going to take our time here and really dig into it. So the first thing is the overall roster is ranked 29th in the NFL. They give it a 64.8 grade. Only a few teams coming in worse for the overall roster in the NFL. One of those is Detroit, who is 31st with a 59.3 grade. Houston, 32nd, 54.3 grade. And I believe Oakland. Nope, not Oakland. Who's the other one? Atlanta coming in 30th at 61.8. Only those rosters overall grading out worse than the Bengals. You look around the league and I feel like there are arguments for some of these other teams. I, I think Vegas is actually one of them, which is why I thought that was one of those teams, Philadelphia coming in just ahead of the Bengals at 28th. I mean, I look at Philadelphia's roster. I feel like I would rather have the Bengals roster than Philadelphia's roster in most positions right now. So even with this very first ranking, I start
2: to think this feels not quite right right away. In a couple of teams you didn't mention where the teams in it, it's because they're ranked ahead of the Bengals in this department, the teams that were drafting first and second in this year's draft, right? The, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are, are you serious? You're telling me that their roster is better than the Bengals roster? I I, I, I don't know about that. You're telling me the New York Jets roster is better than the Bengals roster. Yeah. I, and, and so the, there it is. Uh, I don't, again, I don't think that from a roster standpoint and it's minus the quarterback here, the Bengals should be even 19th, but 29th, it just feels a little low. And I will say part of it is we're expecting big things out of Jamar chase, right? We're expecting T Higgins to take a step forward and Tyler Boyd to be the same guy we've seen and maybe Mixon to take a step forward. And if those things happen, then suddenly the overall roster, at least offensively, feels much, much different. But a a lot of those things have yet to be proven. And so they could shoot up in this area, I think, this season. Um, But I I do tend to think they're about right. Probably a few spots too low. But, you know, if they were 25th, I would probably say that's about right.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's just a little bit low, right? And the score seems to me to be low. I don't think that this is a terrible roster by any means. I think it's young and there are some good players around. I think DJ Reader's a, a fine player, a very good player. Jesse Bates, a very good player. You talked about all the skill players on offense. Jonah Williams, a good player. Riley Reef, a good player, even though he's only on a one-year deal. But you look around the roster and yes, they need to answer some questions on the offensive line. There's a lot of, I'll believe it when I see it on defense, but there's also a lot of solid players around, some solid veterans who have had good years in the NFL. And so it's hard for me to imagine 29th for their roster because we have looked at every other team in the NFL at some point in the last few months uh, as part of our locked-on NFL duties, at least I have. And, I mean, there's just some teams here. And the Eagles being ahead of them is one of them. We, we could talk about the Bears, too. You could talk about the Falcons where – You really think those situations are better? And some of that comes down to coaching, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Joe Burrow actually does get pretty good marks here, James. He he comes in at 13th, 77.3 grade, just a little bit south of the B, very good. I get this in a sense because, you know, he was injured. At the same time, this is barely better than Derek Carr. This is, you know, behind Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and, I get that you might want to project Trevor Lawrence to be better than than Joe Burrow if you wanted to behind Arizona. So there's some teams where you know the injury is certainly a factor. Maybe if he finishes the season, he comes in a little bit higher here. But there's some teams where I feel like the arguments go both ways. If you're projecting Burrow and you're projecting some of these other guys that haven't played yet in the NFL or still have questions in their own game, I could see him moving a couple spots up or down, but at the same time, I sort of get it because of the injury.
2: Yeah, and so that's part of it certainly is the injury. I mean, he's one step behind Baker Mayfield, way behind Justin Herbert, seven spots lower than Justin Herbert, just to give you an idea. And I think there's a debate there, right? Um, but, but when you look at Herbert's numbers, a lot of people fall in love with them, and I get that. Oddly enough, just another one I was looking at, they're ahead of Green Bay, Green Bay 16th. So, and and I get it next three years, Aaron Rodgers, you don't know with him what's going to happen. He may be in Denver next week. So that, that part of it is, is interesting. And that's what makes makes this tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's about right. And I don't know, what, what are you expecting from Burrow this year? Like to me, Like by the end of the year, are you expecting him to be like cement himself as a top 10 quarterback? Because I think he could play really, really well. And we still wonder if he's there yet. He might be 13th after throwing for 5,000 yards. I think that's, that's, uh, I don't know about realistic, but that could happen where we don't think he's top 10 yet, but he has huge numbers.
1: I, I think that top 10 is a realistic expectation for Joe Burrow this year. I think something has gone a little bit wrong with this season. If we're not looking at Joe Burrow after this season and thinking he's a top 10 guy, because, you know, we talk a lot about the, the Bengals hopes are largely pinned on Joe Burrow and, and him establishing his culture and him being the key to success and, you know, reestablishing that connection with Jamar Chase to really patch up the one significant hole in his game, which was a deep ball, of course. So, yeah, based on the way I've been thinking about this since he was drafted, the way we've been talking about it, I think top 10 is a realistic expectation this year for Joe Burrow.
2: I hope so. Right. We certainly hope that he gets there. And I think that the pieces are in place for him to have a, a really big year. And so if that does happen, hopefully we don't have him in the same conversation right now as a Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill who's 11th in these rankings. Right. I mean, that's Next three years, Burrow or Tannehill, I think Titans fans are taking Burrow, right? I, I think there's some Browns fans that would take Burrow over Baker the next three years. And and so that's the that's the thing here with these again, is there's there's a dilemma a bit. And I could certainly see him being in that top ten range. Up next, we're gonna continue to react to these rankings. That was the high point. It all goes downhill from here.
1: With all of the makes and model combinations that we have for vehicles these days, it's impossible for chain stores to stock all the parts that you need for your vehicle. And when you go to that store, you're going to inevitably be disappointed when they don't have in stock a part you need for your vehicle. Your counter worker is going to have to look up the parts on their computer, which you could do at home. Do it yourself at rockauto.com. You'll have access to the same catalogs a chain store does, and you'll cut out the middleman. You can spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts at a chain store. You can go and spend time in your busy day to go do it. Or you could order the parts from the comfort of your home or from your phone and save some money and save some time giving your business to a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers like you for over 20 year. So go check out their reliably low prices at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: From Joe Burrow being ranked 13th to Zach Taylor being ranked 30th. And this is for the entire coaching staff. It isn't just Zach Taylor. But the Bengals coming in 64.8 overall, 30th overall in these rankings as far as coaching is concerned. And I get it, Jake. I mean, that's outside of offensive line. I think coaching in general for this team, and that doesn't just mean Zach Taylor. You're talking about Lou Anarumo, even Frank Pollock, right? There's a lot of pressure on him uh, to make sure that he is a significant upgrade in that room. This coaching staff has to deliver because they've been building and building and they had to get rid of the Marvin era and bring in the new. And this is really the prove it year. You want to talk about a hot seat. I think this entire staff is uh, feeling pretty warm right now, mid-July.
1: Yeah, I think this one is pretty fair based on the results we've seen. And I saw something from from Matt Williamson, who's on the Williamson and Peacock show right here on the Locked On NFL podcast network. And he had a stat from Warren Sharp. The Bengals have won one out of their 20 one score games. Their last one score games, I believe, was a stat, which is insane. And And there's certainly some luck involved there. One score games all involve a certain amount of luck, but also there's a coaching issue there. I think there's a finishing games issue. And a lot of times that does go back to coaching. Also roster quality certainly has been part of this. This has not been a very good football team the last few years, but it's probably been, it it had at least the potential to go a slightly different way than its record. We've talked a lot about his record in one score games in the first year. It was a reason to expect regression. And then it became more of a trend in the second year. And then they lost Joe Burrow and then everything was despair. But as I look at these rankings, I I do wonder a little bit about some of the other positions of coaches like urban Meyer staff in Jacksonville, which is currently serving subpoenas because they hired the wrong guy to be a strength and conditioning coach. They're 18th and urban Meyer's never had a successful NFL team. He's been a good college coach, but I mean, we're, we're really putting him at 18 without having proven anything yet in the NFL. And I, I don't know about that one. And so I I do wonder about some of these coaching staffs, some of these coaching staff rankings, but at the same time, it's hard to argue with Zach Taylor's
2: staff being 30th. Would you put, see, I would still put Urban ahead of Zach in, 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 so maybe not 18th, I agree, but I wouldn't have him 31st.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, maybe not, but I would have him like 27 or something like that all the rookie coaches would be down in that area unless they were like Robert Saleh. I could see being like 23, 20. And I think that's where he is like 23, 24. So uh, yeah, I mean, some some of the coaching rankings, I mean, obviously there's a high degree of subjectivity here, but a lot of these first year coaches, I think maybe a, a little bit higher than I would put them.
2: Well, yeah. Mr. Bite kneecaps, Dan Campbell shouldn't be ahead of Zach Taylor either. I agree with that. Maybe. <laughs> Because why should I mean, my guy is is known for what right now? I mean, being an interim coach in Miami, which, by the way, they they know uh, they know each other, Dan Campbell and Zach Taylor from Miami days, I believe. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. But ultimately, six twenty five and one, that's hard to get past, mm-hmm. much like one and thirty one was for Hugh Jackson. I know five wins more is a big difference. But uh, it really, it's not when you're talking about two seasons of football. Uh, they're going to have to to win some games here. Zach's going to be, in this coaching staff in general, a lot of these guys are going to be in trouble.
1: Yeah. And, and so in that sense, the ranking ranking's certainly understandable. The next couple, though, I guess it's been a rough few years in this area, but this team isn't that far removed from – a string of five straight playoff appearances. And before that intermittent playoff appearances, I was recently in a bit of a debate with Doug Dirt, Doug Gray, the the Reds minor league guy on Twitter about which ownership is, is worse between the Reds and the Bengals. And we talked about this on the mailbag recently. And, you know, he was confused because people that are optimistic about the Bengals think the Reds are hopeless. And I was trying to explain the perspective from Bengals fans. And one thing he pointed out is like, well, this, the Bengals ownership hasn't done anything for the last 30 years, but you go back to the major watershed moment for both franchises in those last 30 years. And for me, it's when the Bengals hired Marvin and when the Reds hired Dusty. And in that time, the Bengals have like seven winning seasons to the Reds four. their winning percentage is roughly equal. But the postseason, you know, seven to four postseason appearances. And one of those postseason appearances for the Reds was just one game against the Pirates that one year so the the recency factor is the Bengals have been better more recently than the Reds who yes they won last year they got to the playoffs and then they didn't score a run and and then this year they have a winning record but the 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 point of this is to say that it's not too long ago that this same front office was in the playoffs for 5 years in a row and it's not too long ago that this front office was praised for making consistently good draft decisions. And now in these rankings, they come in at 28th in drafting ability and 30th in, in overall front office ranking. And so on the one hand, yeah, they have the smallest scouting staff in the NFL. They've had a bit of a rough go of it lately for the last few years. And On the other hand, these are the same guys that that put together a winning team before and you know they're spending money and and maybe this just points to the fact that national media aren't buying that they're spending the money in the right places but again just like feels a little low to me everything feels like it should be just like a few spots higher except maybe quarterback and that would bring the bengals i think a few spots higher because i think their next 3 years they are kind of moving on an upward trajectory and this would make you believe they're going to be stuck and, and be the browns of the
2: 2020s yeah, it, look, the Lions are ranked ahead of the Bengals in draft and front office. Get the hell out of here with that. The Detroit Lions, what have they done? They had Matthew Stafford, and they couldn't put anything around him. And say what you want about him, I think he's going to be pretty good in, in Los Angeles this year, right? And, and this is the same organization that got rid of Jim Caldwell when he had a winning record in Detroit. And and you bring in a, a defensive coordinator who who's both you know biggest thing that he was known for was wearing a shirt with Roger Goodell on it. How did that work out? It didn't. And and so that's the, the the type of thing Detroit does. So the fact that Detroit's ahead of them that's one that really stands out. I have no problem with like a Philadelphia being ahead of the Bengals front office wise and draft wise. And I get it. They've had some you know last year was oh, just it's really ugly.
1: Been very bad for them, and they've got themselves straight into cap hell. So I like... Might- Pick some bones there, but go ahead.
2: But but a year ago, it wouldn't have felt close. And so yeah. I get it, like the Carson Wentz thing. And, uh, you know, they, they were coming off of a division title. They had won uh, a Super Bowl a few years prior. But so, like, I get it.
1: They, they also have this meddling owner, which you can argue the Bengals do, too. And, you know, they, they haven't felt cohesive for a long time. And all of the good players on that team are really old at this point. At least the Bengals core is you know, 26 and younger for the most part.
2: Sure. And in, in, in so roster wise, you know, I, I could see the Bengals overtaking them. And then and, as that puts happens, the roster together, right? No, no. In, in, but as that happens, like right now, Jamar Chase, it, again, it's just a, an unproven commodity. Yeah, like I'm not saying sure. like last year when the Bengals played the Eagles, I was, I, I was expecting the Bengals to lose that game going into it. Now, yeah, since then, I don't think. It oh, was nice. like week four, week five. Like, I still thought the Eagles at that point, and it's easy to look back on now, but at that point, I thought well, they were still winning the NFC East. You, you, thought, <laughs> like, Carson really Lentz,
1: you thought Carson Wentz was still going to bounce back. And I was like, no, he's bad. And then he was bad for the whole year.
2: I thought it was more, and, and not even necessarily Carson Wentz. I just thought the coaching staff, and and it just turned out there was just way more there. But my point is, is like, I don't have a beef with Philadelphia being ahead of them, but like Detroit, Detroit's ridiculous. And draft-wise for Chicago, like the Bears are ahead of them draft-wise. The front office isn't, which again, it's really tough. This is the same front office that drafted Mitch Trubisky. What are we talking about here? Like the the, the Bengals don't have a Mitch Trubisky on their resume. What are you going to go back to '99 with Akili Smith? Because that's the last time. And people are going to say John Ross. That's a receiver. It's not the same. I'm talking about a you know, quarterback. You know, in in taking a Billy Price or a, a John Ross or even a Cedric Obihe, as bad as that is. It's not as bad as going the, the Mitch Trubisky route. So there are a couple here that I would have a little beef with and I, I would debate a bit.
1: Man, how about New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, seventh in drafting ability. Dave Gettleman, uh, who first pulled off his first trade back uh, of his life in 2021. The guy that I've openly laughed at for some of his draft decisions in the last
2: few years. I, I just. Uh, Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. that, that alone, you can't be seventh. You take him sixth, you can't be seventh. So that's a good one. I didn't see that one. But the that's Carolina a, uh,
1: Panthers also. Good. The Carolina Panthers. Okay, Matt Rule, by the way, 16th in coaching. He has not done anything, in my opinion, to, to earn that spot yet. And, and maybe it's just by default because all the other coaches are newer, worse. But, I mean, he, he's, I guess, made the most out of not having a quarterback. But then they go in on Sam Darnold, and the front office is still 19th. Their draft ability is given a seventh. Uh, the Panthers feel much too high in those two regards for for the situation they find themselves in. But hey, uh, this is, I assume, the work of of multiple voters and some aggregation of scores. And the the reality is, until the Bengals start winning some games again, even though this is next three years, quote-unquote, they drafted their quarterback of the future last year. So all the optimism that came with Joe Burrow I think in the national media's eye has been tempered and, and tamped down a little bit by the fact that they did not go on this free agent spending spree on the offensive line to protect him. And so, you know, I I guess I can see where the national media is coming from. And even you and I are there too, where there's a lot of prove it. Show me, show me that you're going to be this good. And so we can look at this and think, ah, maybe that's a little bit low, but until they prove it, you can sort of see where the national media is coming from on all of this stuff.
2: Yeah. I know, I, I do. And it's it sucks because he, here's the one thing I want to point out the Bengals versus the Chargers, the Chargers versus the Bengals, they're always going to be intertwined because of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. It's just going to happen. So I'm looking at their rankings and I, I get it. Like the roster, it's extremely talented. Understand it. Their quarterback, we already talked about it. He's sixth in these rankings. The draft in the front office, they're 10th and 9th. Coaching, 21st. First year coach. Is there any reason why with a good year, if the Bengals deliver, if Burrow is what you just said last segment where he gets into that top 10 realm, he throws for 5,000 yards, the Bengals, the Chargers didn't have a winning record by the way. And the Bengals, let's say they win eight games. Let's say they go eight and 10, but they're exciting. And you see the vision and the offensive lines better. And Jamar Chase is maybe in the offensive rookie of the year hunt. If those things happen, could we see a, a pretty big jump here? Because I look at the two rosters and yeah, you know, there's a Bosa over there and there's no Bosa in Cincinnati, but they have an elite safety. The Bengals have, you know, a, a defensive lineman or two that, that could be up there, uh, you know, at the the elite part of their uh, position, at least one, right, in Reader. And you talked with Bengals Sands about him uh, yesterday. So to me, like there's there's a path for us a year from now. Well, we're talking about them being much higher, including Zach Taylor, much higher in all of these rankings. And and again, it comes down to, like you said, prove it, prove it. And if they do, maybe they do have an overall score of 79.9 and 11th overall, like the Chargers, despite them not making the playoffs last year. And I know they made some additions, but they have a first year head coach. There's still some some question marks in Los Angeles. And yet a lot, a lot of people are high on them. And uh, I think the Bengals could be there if things go go well this season. Yeah, that'll be one
1: comparison, and I think Miami will be another, although Miami has had a ton more draft capital. I I feel like the Bengals are like one step behind Los Angeles right now, which is mostly because Joe Burrow got hurt and because, you know, I I do slightly like the Chargers Foundation a little bit more because they do have a Bosa and because they have a German James. Now, both those guys have an injury history, but I also really like the investments they made on their offensive line, and so I, I can see it for the chargers and everyone saw Justin Herbert put up those fantasy football numbers that everyone loved. So I, I, I do get it, but I feel like the Bengals are just a step behind the chargers. So if the chargers are way up there, what are the Bengals doing way down there? Or maybe more accurately, if the Bengals are way down there, what are the chargers doing way up there? Maybe I'm just wrong. And the chargers are in a different world than the Bengals are. Could very well be the case. Much uh, tougher path in that division. I think in a lot of ways, with Kansas City being there, but I guess if you trust these rankings, despite Kansas City coming in number one, you got two other AFC North teams in the top five. So this list, very bullish on the Browns, very bullish on the Ravens, loving their front offices, their coaching staffs, their rosters overall, and not so much on the Bengals. So on the Bengals, certainly To to start proving some doubters wrong, I think that will be a refrain for fans this season if things start to go well. And if things don't start to go well, well, uh, it's probably time to blow it up. But we're a ways away from talking about blowing it up, I would say, at this point. And that's all the time we have for today. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. In case you skipped the intro, we're back to five days a week right now. So tune in tomorrow for James and I were back for your Wednesday commute at that point until then Bengals fans who day and have a good one.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast.